guess what? I've got a piece of paper with four things. This is before we start what we're really here to talk about. I've got four things. I've written down four words. Do you want to hear them? Go on. <laughs> Rat, flat, Mr. T, floor. <laughs> Didn't you forget the dogs in that list? Dogs are always there. <laughs> so tell us about the... Tell us about the rat then. Okay, first thing to say then is rat, yes, if that's the one you want to start with. Um, so last time we spoke on a pod was two weeks ago and it between then and now we've had a visitor, a very small rat that initially I thought might have been a mouse, but I caught it, double checked and it was a rat. Uh, it's got no fur on the tail nice big hmm. eye. I felt quite sorry for it. But um, yes, yeah, so I caught it. I used a rat trap that I borrowed here from the marina. But the thing that you don't know is that I found another one this morning, but I hadn't caught it. Mm -hmm. You see, this podcast is all about going off traveling. When is the best time? Why you should do it? <laughs> and this is a very good reason not to do it, isn't it? Because, you know, we seem to pick up rats every time we've you know, gone to a, a marina, certainly in some parts of Asia, let's face it. And we quite often get asked, we quite often get asked, uh, how can you allow a rat to get on board? Your boat is dirty. And we always say, well, unfortunately, it is unavoidable. Um, it is one of those things that you have to live with, isn't it? They're all over here. They're everywhere. They are everywhere you go, as they are to be honest, in most countries. But when you're on the hard, it's very difficult because there's lots of ways they can shimmy up ladders and things and get on the boat. And of course, it never used to be a problem because we always had Millie. When we had our cat, we never saw a rat. We didn't see a rat for about 14 years. In the last three years or so since Millie's no longer been with us, we've had a few rats and I've just had one just now. So anyway, I've learned how to set the trap, caught the first one. So I've got the trap again. I shall set it again tonight and we'll see if I can catch another one. And I think what I'm going to do is just keep it on the boat all the time, set and ready. Um, because I don't know how many we've got. It could be a family of the... They won't use the expletive I was going to use. Anyway, that's the rat situation here in Indonesia. We should explain, of course, that rats don't just eat food. They eat anything they can get their horrible yeah. little teeth into, especially electrical cables. And this is why a lot of uh, yachties are bothered by rats, because they will eat through your cables. They'll eat through hoses as well. And potentially they could sink your boat, because if they eat yeah. through a hose connected to one of your open seacocks, that could be a real problem. Um, so, yes, we find the best way is these metal cages with banana in it. No need for peanut butter, no need for any fancy recipes, literally just a piece of banana. And that tends to work. Yeah, it does. So anyway, we're, 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 we're kind of already digressing from what we want to talk about. So the, the list of your other things, do they pertain to today's little discussion? Um, no, I suppose the rat is the big one because I had, I've got a little list of one word down here. One of them has stopped making excuses and uh, and uh, worrying about uh, nasty things happening. Anyway, we can talk about that in a minute. But yeah, so today we are talking about the opposite of what we talked about last time, which is how do you know when you should stop cruising? So today it's how do you know that you should start cruising? Hello, I'm Liz. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Follow the Boat, in which we discuss what it's really like to give it all up to live on a boat. And go travelling around the world. 
We've been doing it since 2006 and we're still at it. Each week we talk about our latest YouTube video. And about boats, sailing, travel or anything else which floats into our heads. And if you leave a comment we like, we'll give you an answer and a name check. Peace, Peace and, and fair, fair winds. We do, we do like to balance our output with, on one week we may have a, what some people call a sort of a negative pessimistic outlook. And that's where we talked about why we should stop cruising. So it's only fair that we talk about why you should start cruising, why you should start traveling and when is the best time to go. And uh, I guess it, it may help perhaps if we just very, very briefly just tell our story about how we managed to make that leap because it is a leap. It's a, it's a big leap in your lifestyle if you are going to be going off and living on a boat, or even if you're going to be living on traveling on land, but doing it for a long period, it is effectively a lifestyle change. And I think that's probably the biggest hurdle, isn't it? Yes, I think the biggest hurdle is uh, the mental decision. When you make the decision, yes, I'm doing it. So right now I'm doing it. This isn't, oh, I think I'll do it. It is, oh, I want to do it, or one day I'll do it. It's actually, I'm going to do it. What do I need to do? Because I want to do it right now, which is kind of what we went through. I want to ask you if you can remember, this is 17 years ago since we started actually doing this, so it's 20 years ago since we decided to do it, how you felt about it at that stage. Do you remember how you felt? Yes, I felt obviously very excited, but I think for me, it just felt like the natural next step in my life. There, there didn't seem to be any question mark over, oh, this is a bit of a change. Oh, I'm not sure about this. So there was no hesitation. It just felt completely natural. Now, it did help, of course, that when I met you, I had been delivering boats. I'd just done a transatlantic crossing. So I was already in that frame of mind and had made that decision that I wanted to spend more time on the water. So that certainly helped. Uh, but it was definitely, I think, timing had a lot to do with it. And as I say, I think just having that frame of mind where I was open to new adventure and looking for new and exciting and different things to do and the realisation that travelling around on a boat would basically tickle those boxes for me. So in some ways you'd already made that mental leap because you jacked it all in. You gave up the job, sold up, just jumped on a boat to learn to sail for a year and to get some mm. good experience sailing. Not with any idea about what you were going to do at the end of it, other than probably a vague idea that you would go back to work at some stage. But you'd already kind of, I, I term it as, kind of, you were already halfway there because you'd, mm. you'd made what I think and what was for me the very biggest, biggest decision, which is to cut the ties, i.e. job, mortgage, income, all of that sort of, all those really big things that most of us think we can't give up, you know. How are you going to, what are you going to do? You've got to pay the mortgage on the house. Maybe you don't need the house, maybe get rid of the house. If that gets rid of the mortgage, then use what money you've got to do something else. Maybe you leave your job. Wouldn't that be great? I don't know. So for me, when I met you, you'd already been doing it for a year. I had burnt out at work and needed to do something and um, had done a bit of sailing, not very much, but I love travel. And we met abroad, we met in Antigua um, at Christmas time. It was a great holiday, lots and lots of fun. And we pretty soon decided 
you know, we were just chatting about what could we do, what could we do, there are things we can do here. And it only took us a month or two to mm. think, well, hang on. I did a few summers on the back of a fag packet, smoking back in those days. <laughs> I worked <laughs> out that I could sell the house, which would get rid of my enormous mortgage. You'd already done all that, so you hadn't got any ties that way. Um, I, but I couldn't leave my job until I'd sold the house because I had to pay the mortgage. So it kind of went round in a circle. So the first thing, the absolute first thing I had to do was sell the house. So I immediately put the house on the market to try and sell it. At the same time, removed myself slightly from get, getting anywhere in my job. You know, I did, I did what I needed to do and that was it and um, was getting in the frame of mind. We started looking for boats immediately because that was the exciting thing, wasn't it? Do you remember? I think going to look for boats also helped propel that uh, leap forward. It pushed us forward because mm. now you're starting to put things in context. Oh, I like the idea of living on a boat. Mm, that'd be interesting. Mm. All very great, you know, up here. But when you actually mm. go out and you start looking at boats, then you're, you've moved to the next stage where you're thinking, well, oh, OK, could I live on this boat? You know, or what mm. is it about that boat that I don't like? Or what is it about this boat? And perhaps more importantly, the location that you go to to see these boats, um, suddenly you are in the environment in which you will eventually live be that a marina or on a lovely coast. And that helps bring it to the fore, I think, to actually go out there and start looking. So I would say, you know, even if it is just a, a little seed in the back of your mind, you may help accelerate that by actually going out to look at boats. Even if you're just window shopping and you're not in a yeah. position yet to buy a boat, it may help galvanise that eventual decision to make that leap. So what we're saying then is that you need to decide that you think that that's what you want to do and then get some get do some practical things like go and look at boats and uh, do lots of sailing, do travel, perhaps travel to the areas that you think you want to sail in. A lot of people go from the UK, they go straight to the Caribbean, go across the Atlantic or they might shimmy down to the med first spend a few years there uh, i know our, our american cousins usually go to the caribbean some go through the panama across the pacific you know there's lots of things you're going to do have a look at all of those things but i really want to stress all the way through this stop dreaming and actually physically and practically do things I've heard so many comments about people who've got all these ideas about what they're going to do and what the best boat is. Bullshit, that's all bullshit. I'm sorry, it really is bullshit. Yes, by all means, do all that. It's quite useful on the outside. I had the faintest idea what boat I needed. You wanted a boat that wasn't a catch and didn't have in-mast furling, and we have both. You know, so <laughs> you don't have to have rigid ideas. We also bought a boat in Turkey, which was just not on our radar at all so yes I, I was just on. going to say I, I should say we have actually met more than just a few people who have what been watching our videos for years and have come up to us and said thank you for making your videos because it inspired us to go out there are a whole load of people out there not just people who watched our videos but there are thousands of people out there who have made that leap so it's not a, a big deal as you as you may think it is. You know, there are lots no. of all kinds of people out there cruising around the world. You won't know it until you actually do it yourself and you'll meet so many different types of people from 
young couples as we see on YouTube, to families, to many retirees, to solo sailors, female sailors, uh, people, you know, sailors from Japan and Korea, as well as all the usual places. So um, there are many people out there that have already made that leap. So, you know, if, and I always say this, if they can do it, you can do it. There are, the yeah. <laughs> there are some bloody idiots. Yeah, there's some bloody idiots out you there want, doing yeah, it. You clearly want to rant. Go on, get, get it off I your chest. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of bloody idiots out there doing it. If they can do it, you can do it. I tell yeah, you, true. it is not rocket science. Sailing a boat is bloody easy. Just do, just you know, just do some basic training. The actual sailing of the boat is the easy bit. The living on it is the easy bit. You knew nothing really about engines or maintenance or anything when we started. And Still reluctantly don't. over <laughs> reluctantly over the years, you know you have to get on and do things and we do mm. them. We do what we need to do. There are mm. people who are born with a spanner in their hand who want to do nothing but tinker all day. And they, I tell you, if you're one of those, you'll make a perfect cruiser. <laughs> yeah. This is true. But it it's not difficult. It's really not difficult. So Try and think beyond the boring cage that you're in at the moment with work and responsibilities and mortgages and, uh, I don't know, family commitments, all this sort of thing. Most of those things, where you have a will, as you say, a will as a way, you'll find a way around it. So, all right, I need to, get, need to stop now because I'm getting, I'm winding myself up. But I think, <laughs> I think what we're trying to say is do it. It's not difficult. It really isn't difficult. Oh. I think, uh, but conversely, it, it, this lifestyle isn't for everyone. And I'm sure there are many people out there who love the idea of what we are doing. But when they realistically sit down and think about maybe um, extenuating family commitments, maybe they've just had grandchildren. We discussed this recently about the draw of grandchildren and how it stops people from cruising. There may be circumstances in which when you really think about it, you decide, no, it isn't for me. And so you have to be honest about that. And uh, or, or maybe there is a compromise where you can just stay locally to your own home. So you still get the opportunity to live on a boat, but stay very close to your family if that's what's you know holding you back so there are compromises to be made it could also be that uh, you can live far enough away that you feel like you're a, a proper cruiser but it's still close enough for family and friends to fly out and visit you which is you know how we started in turkey that was still close enough to the uk that many people uh, family and friends came out to see us and uh, and that was great and that's a a kind of a nice cushion as well to know that you've got family and friends still quite close by. You haven't gone to the far reaches of the corner of the earth and completely ostracised yourself from the rest of the world, but uh, that you have family and friends coming out to visit you. And that's what we did certainly at the beginning of our adventure. Obviously, the further afield we went, the fewer people came out to visit us. Uh, but uh, it was nice to have that cushion when we first started to know that uh, our friends and family could to come and see us at any time. I think that really yes, helped think, us as well. Yes, I think people uh, perhaps reading about uh, and, and watching videos, make an, you know, you'll get concerned when you see big ocean crossings and all the things that can go wrong. Just remember, YouTubers like to put up sensational ideas. Oh, excuse me. Turn this off. Um, 
it's not all sensor. It's quite a lot of it's quite straightforward. Even ocean crossings, quite straightforward. You don't bash into things very often. Um, things do break, but they usually there's ways around it. Um, you know, you don't have to be in the Arctic. You don't have to be in a war zone. You don't have to be in a pirate zone if you choose. And you certainly don't want to do any of those things when you start. And as you say, we were in Turkey. We spent three years in the Eastern Med. We didn't go anywhere else. We just sailed around Tur beautiful Turkey and lots of Greek islands over to Cyprus. And that gave us three years to get used to living on the boat, to get used to handling the boat and used to being with each other on the boat. So we would never suggest that you get your boat and whiz straight around the world. Take your time. Just easy yes, and uh, gently. Um, I mean, it depends on timing, of course. Maybe uh, an alternative is that you take a sabbatical and that you join a rally and you do a round-the-world rally in two or three years. Uh, so there are opportunities to get a boat and shoot off straight away. But I think in those circumstances, you should have at least been on the boat long enough to know to get to know the boat and to get to know each other on the boat. So I, I would definitely yes. recommend doing that. I think the idea of jumping on a boat with your family, first time ever, and then committing to a world's cruise, uh, it, that's, that is a bit of a leap. And that is something I would seriously consider, um, you know, to think about, I mean. So, yes, uh, I yeah. would, I'd be a bit cautious there. So definitely get used to being on the boat. If you find this topic interesting and would like to continue the conversation, come and join the Follow the Boat Discord community. Look for the link in the description. It's free. You, I mean, you talked about things like mortgages. We've mm. talked about families and we've talked about jobs. And I think those things are things are the, probably the biggest hurdles mm. that uh, people are going to have before making mm. that commitment. So what would you say to those? Well, I would say that there is no getting around the fact that you do need to have a source of income. You do need to sort your finances out. Uh, so you've got, so that isn't a constant worry. You don't need to be spending the entire time worried about where the next penny is going to come from. Um, as we've said on numerous occasions, we rent our property in London out and we use the rental income to live on the boat. So we did the sums and we worked out it would just about be enough. Uh, we bought the flat in London because it was very central and we felt that it would be unusual for us uh, not to have tenants there because it's quite a, you know, it's an area where, you know, we would pretty much always get tenants and for 17 years we have. In fact, flat was on my list at the beginning and we've just got new tenants, which we're very happy about. So that's, there's that. But yeah, money is super, super, super important for everybody. And there are lots of different ways of um, earning money while you do this. And there are loads of videos about it. Yes, definitely. We're, and that's definitely a, a big change we've seen over the last 10 years or so is internet connectivity. I mean, so many people work in jobs where they can pretty much do their work all online. And because we have such great connectivity these days, I mean, even offshore, you know, some people have Starlink or the satellite-based communications, uh, it, it's all perfectly possible. So if you have to continue to work and it's internet-based, that's possible. Of course, it may be, you know, you talked about people born with spanners in their hands. It may be that you have a practical skill set which is going to help you as you travel around. Um, I would just say be careful if you think that you are going to be, let's say you're a trained electrician 
and you're traveling around. You do need to be mindful of the fact that you could be stepping on local people's toes. So that's something that you have to be a bit, bit careful with. But of course, we know many yachties who are very practical and who have helped out other yachties. And they may do it for, you know, the price of a case of beer or, you know, one favor for another. So bartering, basically, that's, that's another way of, of being able to, to do this. Agreed. I think that's the best you'll ever get from yachties. We are notoriously cheap um, and no one's <laughs> going to pay another. Everybody helps each other, as you say, bartering. I do think that these practical skills, thinking you're going to use them in other countries is a pipe dream because you're not allowed to work in other countries unless you get a work permit. So you need to get your work permit first. And treading on toes, certainly in this part of the world and in the areas that are a little bit more poorer uh, than other countries, they will really not respect you coming over here. No matter how poor you are, you're always going to be richer in their eyes than they are. And to take their job away, you're not well received at all. We've seen it. So unless you get a work permit and you go and live in that country, and you get employed by a local business, which you can do, people do, um, I wouldn't think that's a great way to, uh, to, to cruise and make money. Some people do teach English as a foreign language, uh, which is quite good, but it does mean you need to be registered in that country for a certain amount of time. So you're not going to be cruising around the world while you do that. You're going to be staying in an area for a while. And looking back on the way we've travelled, that actually would have been fine for us because we do tend to stay for quite a long time in places that we visit. You know, we'll three years in Turkey for a start. I mean, different places, but we were in Turkey that length of time. And we've been over here, we were three years almost in India and in Southeast Asia, at least 10, coming on for 11 years now here. So we like to be a part of the, the fabric of the place, but there's absolutely no way in hell that you're going to get me to work ever again. I gave up work to do this. <laughs> I'm not prepared yeah. to work. I do remember when we first started out, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, my, my background is uh, market and media research. So I was a researcher and I had the opportunity to learn an online research tool. It was a very complicated tool. And the idea was that I could set myself up as a consultant and use this particular piece of software. Um, now, this was back in the days when we could just about get Wi-Fi network in the marina if we were lucky. And the more I looked into it, the more unfeasible I realized it was because internet connection wasn't so good. But of course, the other thing is committing to a time schedule. There will be certain jobs where, you know, perhaps every Friday you're having to have a Zoom meeting. Every Monday morning you've got to produce a document. You can do all this online. You can do all this on a boat. But it may be that your job does have to stick quite regimentally to a schedule. And that could be an issue with your travel plans. Now, of course, the compromise is, as you say, you end up staying somewhere for a year in a in a particular area which would allow you to both explore but also stick to those commitments and those schedules but as you say isn't one of the reasons for doing this to kind of get away from all of that yes and going on from that there's youtube there's making videos and trying to make money out of that and anyone who thinks they're going to start this life and live off the money they make from youtube forget it you're in a living in a pipe dream those that make money are already there in, 
I don't think there's going to be room for anywhere else. You've got the you've got La Vagabond. It is a full-time business. And I've watched a couple of their videos recently and they've explained that they've had burnout. They've been buying bigger and bigger boats. They're doing masses of social media all the time. They're doing these videos, you know, they're employing people. It's a full-time job and I cannot see for that is not something ever in our lives that we would do. In fact, as people may know, a few months ago, we just decided not to look at any kind of making money out of YouTube, but just to carry on doing what we enjoy doing. And if people enjoy it, then that's fantastic. And we love it. We love having, uh, you know, responses and feedback. But the moment it starts to become a chore and you start looking at marketing and you start looking at analytics and how you can make more money. ugh, I hate it. I've hated it for quite a while, actually. I, um, you know, it's lovely that we've got Patreon and FTP mates and we've still got a few of those and they are fantastic and we're so happy and, and you know. Right. That's that's why we partly why we continue. Yeah, we continue to put out videos uh, for those people who do watch. And yeah. We, yeah. We, we love doing that and that's great. But yeah. as you said, we said right from the beginning, right from the beginning, if this becomes like a job, we walk away from it. And let's face it, with YouTube, the algorithm is constantly changing. And we've seen our income drop over the last you know, couple of years. It's literally just been going down. So yeah. now this doesn't affect us in terms of financing our cruising because we've always said we were paying for our cruising lifestyle for a decade before we mm. you know started doing youtube videos so for us it's a bit of bunts it's a bit of pocket money but as you say mm. there, there are certain things that you need to be wary of relying on and youtube is definitely one of those do not think mm. i'll just reiterate what you said do not think mm. that YouTube alone will finance a cruising lifestyle because, let's face it, all of your money is spent on the boat. It is mm. a bottomless pit in which you, mm. you know, rip up £20 notes, which you hear many people say all the time. Or it's a, it, was it a shower? It's a shower in which you throw £50 notes <laughs> in there. You know, that is boat ownership. So you do have to be uh, wary of that. And so depending on one income, which let's face it, you have no control over. We have no control over YouTube. We have no control over how that algorithm works. And there could be many factors which will continue to reduce our income from YouTube. And that is why we have never relied on it. Sorry for interrupting, but while I've got you here, if you like what we do and you want to support us and become a Patreon or join us on FTP Mates or even drop a quid in the rum fund, go to followtheboat.com forward slash pub. Of course, come to the pub. One of the things that I think is really important is are you risk averse? Because ask yourself that. If you are, then cruising is probably going to make you anxious all the time because there are so many risks daily. Uh, we've talked about the money situation, which is, is always the thing probably that makes me most anxious. Um, but just the mere fact of being on the water on a boat, a potentially dangerous situation, it's there all the time, isn't it? Yes. And it's not just the uh, boat itself, of course. I think some people certainly feel that there are risks associated with travel generally. Uh, I noticed on one of our videos recently, I think we titled it 
why are people scared of Indonesia? I think it was something along those lines. Yeah, to which, yeah. Uh, someone responded saying it's probably because of Indonesia's extreme laws was their response. Uh, to which I replied, well, you know, we we don't see that. So there are those preconceived ideas that people have about places in particular that prevent them from going there. And again, if you're that sort of person, that's going to severely limit where you go cruising and traveling. Because if you're always uh, thinking, oh, well, we can't go there because, uh, you know, well, in that example, extreme laws, you know, should you really be fulfilling this kind of lifestyle because you are going to be going to countries where there are big question marks over um, your safety or how you're going to get on with those people. Well, of course, as we find out from doing it ourselves, uh, all those fears have been allayed. They, they just don't really exist, to be honest. But if you have that kind of uh, attitude to life in general, then well, maybe you should do it. Maybe you should do it and to prove yourself that uh, you shouldn't have these fears. That's a reason for going. Yes, what I was going to say is that we've met, so we're closer to Australia than we are to Europe and America. So the mo most of the kind of, I don't know what the term is, but we say Westerners that you meet here are have left Australia. They're coming through Indonesia to get to, usually to Malaysia or Thailand. And these are people quite often who've just started. And you can see the whites of their eyes. They're in Indonesia. They're not sure about Indonesia. They know it's Muslim. And a lot of people think, oh, Muslim? Oh, they must be terrorists, you know, because that's what they read in the papers. Oh, couldn't be further from the truth. Anyway, you see these people. We've met them, several of them, quite a lot of them who are convinced that everybody's out to get them, everybody's going to rob them and probably uh, stab them if they can. <laughs> so if you think like that, there are great swathes of the world, South America, Africa, Southeast Asia, India, the Middle East, all these places will terrify you. So don't bother, don't bother going to those places if they terrify you, but, or as you say, get yourself out of your comfort zone. But go with a big smile and an open heart and, 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 and open arms and uh, enjoy it for what it is. But yeah, yeah I mean, be, being, a, being afraid is not a good place to come from if you're a cruiser. Yes, and, and we, you know, we've said it before, and I think this is what you were just alluding to, is that we have met a number of cruisers who carry these uh, preconceived ideas with them. And it never ceases to amaze me how they can live this lifestyle, travel through these places and still continue to have these preconceived ideas. <laughs> um, mm. a, a very good example is how we were told that in Malaysia especially, but also Indonesia, fishermen are out to get you. Fishermen will lay their nets in front of your boat on purpose. They will chase you. They will follow you uh, and generally uh, cause you a lot of grief. Well, OK, you get some local fishermen who will come up to you out of curiosity. And that is all it is, is curiosity and quite often just a friendly welcome. But we or have to give seen, you some fish. Well, yes, more than likely. But we have seen fishing boats dump their nets in front of us. And you realise the more you do this, the more you realise they're not doing it to annoy you. They don't care about you. They're just following their daily routine that they always do. They will always dump their nets in that particular area. 
And if you happen to be in the way, well, that's on you. Um, th that's the kind of uh, preconceived idea that were completely quashed from having done this when we realized all these rumors are just not true. That's that's not how fishermen behave. They're, they're, they may appear to behave in this way, but actually, you know, their actions are actually explained by this instead of that. Now, that's just one example of how you shouldn't carry preconceived ideas with you and to just be completely open, to have that open mind. And I think that's a, a very important way, not just for cruisers, but just travel generally, isn't it? To just be open to these uh, new and different ways of people around the world and the, and the way that they live. Mm. And don't listen to the gossip. If someone's got a story about something that happened, unless it happened to them, then I take it with a huge piece of salt. I'm quite happy to listen, but I don't take much notice of stories unless they're first hand. The famous story about the Malacca Strait, where fishermen will dump in front of you and then, you know, demand. And it was on a video the other day I watched on YouTube demanding 200. Well, we've heard that if you, you know, they'll dump their nets in front of you and then then they'll charge you $250 and you've got to pay them right then and there. Oh, shut up. It's not true. It's not true. And you're putting it on a video on YouTube and just making the lie bigger. And it's not true. We've been up and down the Malacca Straits. We've had our entanglements with fishermen simply because we were angered in the wrong place. They don't want $250 off you. They just want fish. That's all they want. <laughs> I'm really bad today. I'm really on one, aren't I? <laughs> I think you've, uh, um, we, sh we should explain to those who uh, are perhaps new to this podcast or certainly new to this weird setup is that you <laughs> are on the hard in Indonesia and you've had unprecedented hot <laughs> weather. And this is another thing, actually, that you should bear in mind if you want to go off cruising, especially to the tropics is the insufferable heat and the humidity. And it's something I think you've been having to deal with, especially in the last few weeks. You said even the locals are literally melting, aren't they? They really are. The people that work here in the marina are all sitting around, you know, with fans on their faces. I mean, I've never seen that before. And I have to say, I can't stand it myself. It's just, I mean, if, if you're watching this rather than listening, you will just see that I am mopping my face all the time because dear Jamie won't let me keep a fan on while we're recording so I just get really hot but yeah I mean heat weather I mean weather's a big thing that people are scared of people are scared of thunder and lightning they're scared of hurricanes and tornadoes and huge heat waves and we've got El Nino at the moment so it's interfering with the world's weather all the time you're right to be scared of those things absolutely right to be scared of those things but if they're going to put you off cruising don't do it because they do happen they do happen uh and people the the one type of weather that you should be cautious of is the sun and the fact that this lifestyle yeah. puts you in the sun all the time when you're traveling between places especially during the day You've got to cover up and wear lots of factor 50, factor 100 uh, to keep that sun at bay because, you know, it's one thing getting caught in a storm or being a horrible rocky anchorage, but the silent killer is the sun. And so that is something that you need to be aware of. 
Yes, health generally. Um, I mean, just <laughs> there's so many, so many reasons people put forward for not doing it and, set, and yet saying they want to do it. You need to be really honest with yourself. Um, if you want to do it, do it. There is never a right time. Would you agree? Yeah, never. I, I, people say to us, oh, when, when should we do it? Or I'm thinking of doing this. And our stop response is, do it now. Do it. Do it now. While, while, you've, while, it's for, while it's in the forefront of your mind and you're feeling excited about it, leverage that excitement by making that step, making that leap. Yeah. Don't wait until you're too old. Try and do it while... You, I've had people in their 50s thinking, oh, you know, am I too old? No, you're not too old. <laughs> you're definitely not too old in your 50s. 50s is a perfect time to start because hopefully you've got a bit of, you know, substance under your belt. You've got a, maybe an income of some kind. Uh, and if, if you go start sailing in your 50s, you've got a good 20, 25 years ahead of you. Brilliant. You can do everything you want to do. Be really, really good. I, I, I remember when I told my boss I was leaving to do this 20 years ago, uh, and his reply was, oh, I would love to do that. I just need another million. <laughs> he actually said that. So um, if you're one of those people who think you just need another million, you don't. You don't even need a million to do this, to be honest with you. Uh, there, there are ways and means. And if you're scared of being bitten by a shark or don't go bitten to by Australia. a snake, no, don't go to Australia. Uh, bitten by a snake or being robbed or all the things that people come up with, I'm scared of this and I'm scared of that. All of those things can happen. They can happen. But you have to take a little risk analysis and be serious and sensible about what you're doing. Like, Don't jump into a water with, with white, white, great whites are known. Don't go in a jungle where you know that there are some pretty nasty snakes. Do your homework and uh, don't believe anyone's going to rob you. And if you do, then don't get off the boat and lock it if you do. Um, you know, if there are answers to all of these things. So... Well, it goes back to that old adage about um, not crossing the street or leaving your house because you could get run over by a bus. And uh, there are as many dangers in the West as there are it's certainly the places we are. Do you like our hats? You can get your own from our shop. Find them at followtheboat.com forward slash shop. One of the things that I think is quite interesting is if you compare last the last podcast, which is about the reasons why people stop, with this, the reasons why people start, I think there's going to be quite a crossover because a lot of the reasons for giving up and stopping after however many years are the same reasons that people use not to start in the first place. Friends and family, bit, yeah. Friends and family being one of them. Yeah. Just on that subject, uh, we talked about how different it is for you, especially at the moment, being on your own, how different it is over there compared to being here. We talked about the service industry and you know, those kind of differences. I just wanted to make a, a just something that crossed my mind when I was doing my shopping at the big Waitrose in Canary Wharf. Uh, for those who don't know, this is a, a central hub in East London, which has got busier and busier over the years. And Waitrose is a big supermarket. It's a very middle class supermarket. But I was shopping in there. And the one thing I noticed was how many different languages I could hear being spoken 
by all the shoppers. It was, it was the most multicultural experience I've had in years. It was a reminder, of course, of the difference between living in London and living somewhere like Indonesia, where 99.9% .9 of the people that you live with in the tropics are going to be speaking a different language. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, uh, I don't know, I miss that a little bit about, uh, about London, that multiculturalism, uh, but also that isolation that perhaps you may feel when you're traveling, when you go to these foreign lands, there could be a sense of isolation because you can't communicate and that you are the only white face, if you happen to be white, traveling through these places. Uh, and so you've got to have that sense of adventure and putting yourself outside of your comfort zone as much with your cultural experiences as with uh, practical experiences on the boat, i.e. weather and fixing the boat up. So you do have to have that uh, open-mindedness to be prepared to feel a little bit, potentially feel a little bit uncomfortable. Of course, we, we don't feel like that. We see it as a positive adventure, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Yes, or a little bit alone or kind of self-contained. So uh, you might be going to all these countries and that's quite difficult if you're a solo sailor, although many people choose to be solo sailors because they want to be self-contained. They don't want anyone else interfering with them. They want to decide when they want to talk to people and not stuck with a bloody partner that won't stop rabbiting on, you know. <laughs> they can do things their own way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that self-containment, that kind of little bubble, uh, you've got to be really happy with that. You've got to want that to a certain extent. I do, I, I do find this lack of being able to communicate any way other than through Google Translate really, really does isolate you. And I think it's probably why so many cruisers spend time with other crews, spend more time with other cruisers than they do with local people. Some countries obviously better than others. Some countries everybody speaks, in if you're English, if you're listening to this. So when we were in India, we had Indian friends everywhere because they all spoke English. Uh, likewise in Malaysia and to a certain extent Thailand and not so much in Indonesia. Uh, so that lack of being able to communicate, it can, it can isolate you. Oh, funny thing. Solo sailors. So you meet a solo sailor, they've come ashore, they're gonna have a beer and they're gonna, they wanna to talk to somebody. And if they start talking to you, they won't take, draw a breath for 20 minutes. <laughs> They'll tell you everything they wanted to talk about for the last month. And it all comes out in one go. And I have started doing that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you being a solo like, sailor, yes, that's true. I'm on the hard on my own. It's well over a month now, and uh, I don't, I don't go to the bar and do much of that very often. But occasionally, I'm in the restaurant and uh, start talking to somebody, and it's like the floodgates open. And they can't shut me up. So I now kind of understand where solo sailors are coming from. <laughs> so I think to just to conclude, then, if I have any recommendations, it's to first of all remind yourself that this isn't a particularly special way of living, it's just an alternative way of living. I always say that owning a boat is like owning a house on a street. You meet other boat owners, you all have one thing and one thing only in common, and that is that you own a boat. But it takes 
all sorts. You will get many different types of cruisers. They've all made that leap to move onto the boat, but they come from all kinds of walks of backgrounds and lifestyles. And to think, and this is always my grandfather's uh, advice to me, was that if he can do it, I can do it. And it, it really, that leap isn't so much of a big deal as you may think it is. So if you feel inclined to start this lifestyle, make that leap, try it. And hey, what's the worst that can happen? You may decide after six months it's not for you, so you can sell the boat and move back onto land. But you don't lose anything by at least giving it a go. And I can guarantee for 99% of you who do make that leap, you'll stay living on the boat because it is just such a fantastic and interesting way to live and a way to travel. Okay, so my words of wisdom are four letters, J-F-D-I. Jamie you don't know Furlong, what it means? Jamie Furlong, <laughs> uh, I can't think. JFDI, just flipping do it. Oh, of course. Okay, so JFDI, stop making excuses not to do it and start planning exactly how and when you're going to do it. And I don't mean just rough ideas that sometime in the future, I mean, do it, do it now, start making all those plans. Because from the moment you make the leap to actually doing it can take quite a while. It took us two years to get from that decision to actually doing it. So don't waste time, JFDI, and do it. It's lovely, you'll, you'll love it. Hmm. Yes, very wise words, as ever. I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Elizabeth. You still got it. <laughs> okay, I'm so hot now. If anyone's watching, they'll have seen all the sweat dripping off my face and me constantly. What's the time over there, by the way? Time over here is quarter past six. Can you hear the call to prayer? No, I, I can't hear the call to prayer through my headphones, but I know when I come to edit this video, we'll probably hear a little bit of background noise. The main thing is, is that the dogs aren't barking manically as they were in one particular episode. Oh, I don't think they've barked. So we've just got the call to prayer now as we sign off and say to everybody, please do it if you're thinking of it. You won't regret it. <laughs>